Welcome to the Total Freedom Podcast, where you can build your total freedom lifestyle and live your life doing what you want, when you want, with whomever you want. And now, here is your host, John Racine. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. It's John, your host here. I just wanted to hop on real quick before we get into this episode and let you know that today's guest is a long-term mentor of mine and somebody I now call a friend. She has helped me with my money mindset, with consciousness, and with so many other things. And because our relationship goes back a few years and because we know each other so well, whenever we speak, we are always very open and honest and candid with each other. Before we actually got into the interview, we talked about some of the uh, COVID-19 issues and uh, really got raw about what we felt about it. That's not for this episode. But when we did get into the episode, I told her that she can speak about whatever she wants to speak about. And she used some vulgarity and there was some swearing. So I wanted to warn you as we head into this episode that there is going to be some of that inappropriate language in there. So if that bothers you, then please skip this episode and tune back into the next one. But when you stick around and listen to what she has to say, your life will forever be changed. You will be empowered. You will experience so many wonderful things when you hear her message and you get involved in her universe. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast, and I will catch up with you at the end. Thanks. And welcome to this episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. I am beyond excited to talk to today's guest. She is somebody that I have known for several years, and I've circled in her universe. She is actually a coach of mine. She is a priestess of light leading money consciousness coach, and she's desiring to bring the true meaning of abundance back to planet Earth. It is my pleasure to welcome Harriet Hale. Harriet, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, my darling, and thank you for the intro. I love that. It's my pleasure, and I'm really excited to have you on. You and I have known each other for probably about three years now, I think. It was right before I moved back to Florida from California when you and I had first connected. So you and I have kind of been circling in that universe for a while. You've coached me and and helped me immensely on my money consciousness journey, on my spiritual awakening journey. So you are definitely an expert in my mind, and I wanted to share you with the listeners of this podcast because you have been so amazing for me. Oh, thank you. That's really sweet. It's um, it's certainly been a journey that you and I have been on our where we were just uncovering the the ice cap of your your limiting money beliefs. So I remember I gave you a few exercises, and then we reconnected a few months later. And your journey since then has been exponential. I mean, really remarkable to watch the shifts that you've been through, the money stuff that you've worked on how you've managed to pull yourself into absolute alignment with your soul calling. It's success stories like yours that give me that drive and motivation to keep doing it day in, day out for more people the world over, you know, and and do what it is I really desire to do because it's not easy. I think I speak to a topic that is very triggering, very emotional, um, and very difficult for people to wrap their heads around sometimes. So thank you for humbling yourself (laughs) and putting yourself in the firing line because I appreciate it's not been easy, but it's certainly been miraculous to witness and be a part of. Well, thank you. And I know that you had to have gone on your own journey in order to get here because I don't assume you came out of the womb as a money conscious person. No, not exactly. (laughs) My money journey has been also quite spectacular. 
Tell us more about that. How did you get to where you are today? Give us a little bit. Okay, so I think like most college graduates, um, as we all are in our early 20s, we just kind of like pop out of the system and we're expected to get a job or start a business or just, you know, start generating income for ourselves. And at that time in life, or at least our generation, John, um, I can't speak to the younger generations, but we're a little bit naive when it comes to money. We believe what we believe about money. We believe what we've been taught about money. We don't really question a great deal, or at least we didn't. And so in my early 20s, I had a series of jobs. I was doing uh, glass collecting and barmaiding and nannying. And I was doing a little bit of music teaching because I was um, a music graduate. That was my first love and passion. And kind of naturally just fell into setting up my own music business. I had a bit of that entrepreneurial vision and fire. I just, I wanted a bit more money. Who doesn't, right? So in my early 20s, set up my music company and was doing very well. And then by my mid-20s, I kind of hit that point of successful arrogance, let's call it. Um, For a 20-something-year-old, I was doing better than my peers, I suppose. And it gave me a false sense of security. It gave, gave me a false sense of hope and vision. I really thought I had my shit together. What actually happened was I'd just taken a trip up Lucky Street. And as happens when we're not conscious with our money, things tend to start crashing around us. We up a limit, we self-sabotage, all of these topics that you and I have have been through over the years. So I had my own come to Jesus moment, if you like, in my mid-20s. I was in an abusive relationship, which I didn't recognize as abusive. Many women will resonate with that. We've all been there. And that abusive relationship caused me to spiral to the point of attempted suicide. And then I went into voluntary therapy because I was sectioned Uh, because I was a danger to myself. And during that time that I was in therapy, my music business, I'd left in the hands of my so-called best friend, PA, and an ex-boyfriend who, you know, we'd stayed friends. But the three of them were running my music company for me, knowing that I was in therapy, knowing that I was mentally unstable. And when I returned to work about four months later, they'd taken it upon themselves to take my client base to take all of my intellectual property, to take the rest of my staff team and set up a competing business for themselves half a mile away. They literally copied and pasted my music school with all my music syllabuses, all my music teachers, all my music parents, students, everything, the entire lot. They they swiped the lot from underneath me. So I returned to work to find that I had no clients, no means of income and overwhelming overheads. I still had rents to pay, rates to pay. The few remaining staff that I had left still had to pay them. Everyone was contracted. It was a shit show. I mean, it was it was a serious, oh my fucking God, what the actual fuck moment. I was, I was devastated. And let's not forget, I was really vulnerable still at this time. I'd literally just come out of therapy from domestic abuse and attempted suicide. Like I was, I was in a bit of a state. I was about 25. Um, And I felt broken. I felt really broken in every way that you can break a woman. I was financially broken. I was emotionally broken. I was psychologically still, you know, vulnerable. I felt like I couldn't turn to anyone. I felt like I'd lost all of my friends. I couldn't trust anyone. I'd lost all of my clients. I'd lost all of my income. And very, very quickly, I got myself into nearly a quarter of a million dollars worth of debt because this music school that I was running, well, fortunately, I do still have it, but it's a huge 
building in the center of London. They are not cheap to run. And I was contracted into this lease. I could not get out of it. So I was taking out loans, credit cards, everything I could get my hands on. And everyone around me at the time, my solicitors, my accountants, my parents, the one or two friends that I you know, kept close, said, Harriet, go bankrupt, go for broke. You cannot maintain this. This is lunacy. You're going to end up crippling yourself again. You don't want to end up back in the nut house. That's our colloquial term for mental health <laughs> hospital. Um, <laughs> you know, seriously, save yourself. You're absolutely crazy. And I don't, honestly, John, to this day, I don't know what was in me, but there was that tiny little voice of hope. And everyone knows that voice, that little glimmer of something that sits in the back of your head and just whispers, don't listen to them. Just follow your gut, follow your intuition, follow your heart. Just, just ignore them. It's going to be fine. And I don't know if it's because I was so broke. I figured it couldn't get any worse. So what did I have to lose? Like I may as well try. Or if it was something else, I don't know. But I committed to my debt in ways that I don't think I've committed to anything else before. I had over 200,000 pounds, which is nearly a quarter of a million dollars worth of debt. And I was, I was all in. I was there trying to save this company. And slowly but surely, I tried, started like pulling it back, started get, building my clients, building my audience, revisiting all of those old hat business techniques, you know, the marketing funnels yeah. and the hardcore advertising and all that stuff that you used to do and I used to do, right? All that kind of, um, God, we're, we're, going, we're going back nearly 10 years now, but all of that old hat, like digital marketing techniques, was doing all of that and something wasn't quite hitting it. Something just wasn't quite resonating. And it was at that point where I kind of really took stock of my life. And I was like, okay, I'm building my way out of this hole. I'm slowly but surely getting my way out of this hole, but something is missing. Like the firepower, the speed, the magic, something's missing. There's got to be something more to life than working 20 hours a day, seven days a week, working my ass off to recover myself from an, an undoing, a wrongdoing from someone else. Surely there's more. And so I started exploring spirituality. Again, it was that little voice in my head. Don't really know what it was, whether it was insanity or a spirit guide or whatever. But I ended up pursuing readings with uh, psychics and tarot card readings and intuitive readings and going to Kundalini yoga and getting energy healings and just really immersing myself in that spiritual world. And to cut a long story short, within three years, I got out of that $250,000 worth of debt and made my first million. And I have to say, hand on heart, credit it to the spiritual magic, deep healing energy work that I did alongside all of the hard work. Don't get me wrong. I did not sit on my sofa and the money did not just fall into my lap. I still grafted my ass off. But I think if I'd have just grafted my ass off, I'd probably only be pulling myself out of it now or maybe not even now. You know, my parents went through a very similar thing. It took them 10 years to recover. It took me less than three. Not only did I recover, I hit my first million. And it's, um, it was on that journey that I really started playing with money consciousness, money mindset, money beliefs, the spiritual part, the magical part. And I was the most cynical person you might ever have come across when I was 25. You could not talk to me about gurus or shamans or psychics. I thought they were all quacks. I thought they were all frauds. I, I didn't believe in any of them. But at that moment of desperation, I tried. And <laughs> would you believe it? At 32, I now declare myself a high priestess for fuck's sake. I mean, seven years ago, if you'd have said to me, one day you're going to be a high priestess, I'd have told you to get on your bike. I just would not have even entertained the idea of spiritualism, let alone become a leading icon in the spiritual world myself. Um, 
but it has been magical. It's been transformational. Obviously, you have personally experienced the power of the consciousness work, the spiritual work, the money mindset work, the deep energy work, and how that works hand in hand with the stuff that we both know so well, which is, you know, the digital marketing and the practical, strategic, scientific side of business as well. Marry it all together and you're literally, you're, you're mixing pots of gold. It's magic. Absolutely. In that journey, did the consciousness come before the money mindset piece or were they mutually exclusive and together? The consciousness followed the mindset. Now, remember, I was a big cynic, so I was more drawn to believe the scientific than I was the spiritual when I started doing this whole self-development thing because bear in mind I'm in Britain so the Brits are very conditioned anyway self-development still isn't a thing here it's still not that widely um, accepted whereas in the US you guys like you're more ahead of your time self-development's been around for a while so when I got the psychology scientific aspect was definitely more appealing than the spiritual stuff. So working on my own psychology was something I could certainly wrap my head around before I started working on my so-called energy. So the money mindset bit, that subliminal, subconscious, psychological reprogramming, scientific wiring, working with what I call the cerebral programming now, that came first, that I could wrap my head around. And then once I kind of immersed myself into science and quantum physics, I could then see how quantum physics played directly into spirituality because the two back each other up. Absolutely. It's just beautiful. So then that connection allowed me to go more down the spiritual route, which is the consciousness stuff, the energy work, and even going so far as I'm doing money coding now for my clients, which the, the money codes are personal to each individual human being and it's all to do with our own personal energy matrix. And that energy matrix is infiltrated through the pranic energy field which basically, to all intents and purposes, quantum physics speaking, is our breath. Like literally, our breath is the facility through which we can access our monetary energy, our money flow, our money consciousness, and our money mindset. But me being that cynic that I was, I had to marry together the science and the quantum physics before I could fully wrap my head around the spirituality. So I think anyone who's perhaps listening who is resistant to spirituality or resistant to money consciousness and money energy and money flow, go down the quantum physics route because it will lead you directly to spirituality anyway. So I get that natural resistance. So for me, it definitely had to be sequential. I think perhaps in the States, you guys are so open-minded. You're so up for trying new things. You're more likely to just jump in head first than perhaps your UK counterparts, in which case I'd say just go full throttle for the money, consciousness, spirituality, energy bit, because you'll get it <laughs> a hell of a lot more and probably a lot quicker than I did. You know, it took me a really, really long time, but yeah, it is magic. I know when I was younger, I got into stock and commodity trading and I had found, read the story about this guy who went into this trading contest and turned 10,000 US dollars into 1.1 US dollars in a course of 12 months. So I was like, oh, yes, I want to do that. So I started studying and learning. And then I remember seeing this book about the mindset of trading. I'm like, I don't need a mindset to trade. I just need to trade and make money. Looking huh? back, I see how flawed that was. And I'm imagining that there may be a lot of the audience that's listening that kind of feels the same way. What encouragement or advice do you have for people that may not realize that the mindset is controlling so much of their universe and maybe that's where the focus needs to start? 
Okay, so listen, when I first started mindset coaching, which takes us back to 2017, I think, 2016, 2017, around then, I used to stay, and I still stand by this now, the best laid business plan in the world is pointless if the mindset behind it isn't aligned. And it's not a direct quote of mine. It's a a re-quote, a reframe of something Richard Branson said and something, oh God, I can't remember where he got it from. One of the biggest billionaires in the world, super famous. Damn it. His his name has left my head. It will come back to me. It will have to come back to me. (laughs) Um, But it's many, many uh, big time business entrepreneurs, uh, philanthropists have said this, like the best laid plan in the world is absolutely pointless if the mindset behind it is not aligned. And basically, whether you want to look at it from a scientific strategic or even spiritual aspect if you are not fully committed to something in mind body and soul then that thing is not going to have the necessary momentum the necessary firepower to see itself through to success so it's all well and good to have a desire to make money from stocks and trading or a business or whatever But an intention, a desire, has no momentum. It has no fuel. The thing that's required to create that fuel, that fire, that momentum, which guarantees you get from A to B, is the one, the decision. And that really is a mindset piece because people can desire things all day long. I can desire to have a private jet sat here talking to you. But if I haven't fully made the decision and made the commitment to acquire that private jet, it's never going to happen. And that decision has to be coupled with a forward momentous energy, which will catalyze the whole damn thing. You've got to have that drive, that determination, that day in, day out decision to get up and do the damn thing, do the necessary things. And it's not simply just going to your computer screen and trading whatever. It's the energy behind that desire and that decision and the actions that you are going to take to ensure that your mind, body, and soul are fully aligned with that outcome. I always say that our desires are our soul's way of reminding us what it is that we are meant to be, do, and have in this lifetime, right? Everything that we desire comes from our heart space. And that's our heart, our emotions, the things that we feel, the things that we think about. And we're all completely unique in this respect. We all have that thing that we think about. We really want it. We desire it. And it either, it makes your cheeks hurt because you smile so much when you think about it, or it brings a tear to your eye, or it sends goosebumps down your spine. Like it has a visceral, emotional, physical reaction, Those are the valid desires. Those are the things that if you can get your energy, mind, body, and soul, that decision behind it, you can fuel that desire and you can arrive at that success. That desire, that heartfelt emotion, that's your soul reminding you what it is that you have a right and responsibility to. That's your birthright. We are not capable of desiring things that we're not destined to have. I think why people really miss the boat when they when they see things like, oh, that guy made 10,000 into 1.1 million on trading. I'm going to do that. There's no real desire behind it because it's not something that you fundamentally desire. And I think people can sometimes get so out of touch with what they want because they're receiving the projection and therefore the conditioning of what other people want that they try to copy others because they think that's right to copy others or that they should be desiring what others desire. And they completely cut themselves off from what it is that they actually want for themselves, what their mind, body and soul can fully energetically get behind. And it's those feelings, those emotions that fuel 
the inevitable success. And it's not necessarily overnight. It can take years. It can take decades. But the time frame is irrelevant when you are following your desire and you've made the decision to follow your desire. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It kind of relates. I think I've said this for years now, and this is how my life went. Nothing in your life will happen until you have a big enough reason why. And I think the way you've defined it, it's almost like that big reason why, that desire or whatever it is. And and as I look at my journey, you and I connected when my why became clear because I was on the brink of my second bankruptcy. I was in financial ruins at that point in time because of my own ignorance, stupidity, careless spending and all of that. But the why instantly became clear. You came into my universe at that point in time and I'm light years ahead of where I was. Yeah. No, absolutely. And sorry, it's fly floating around me. Um, Your pivot from doing what you were doing to doing what you're doing now shows the immense power of honoring your desire, your soul calling, the thing that you can fully get behind. I mean, when we first started working together, we were doing real estate, we were doing digital marketing, we were doing restauranteering, and now you're helping people completely reframe and uh, re-engage with their own life experiences. I mean, how how far removed, how how like p- polarizing are those two things? But your energy and the speed with which you're creatively putting together these programs and talking about them, and the ease with which you you are able to deliver what is truly your desire, is is incomparable to where you were a few years ago. Right, because yeah. you've got your energy behind the thing that you actually desire, and it's life changing. Yeah, I agree completely. And I never imagined a year ago that this is where I would be, but it's been about a year where the pivot came. And yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's it was quick. It's been fast. It's been uh, it's been almost like a rocket ship. Truthfully, just you know, moving. Yeah, absolutely. And I think something to note about our desires is that they're constantly changing and evolving. I think that's something that a lot of us have missed as well. Uh, People find themselves in corporate desk jobs doing the same thing day in, day out for decades and decades and decades and wonder why they're not financially free, wonder why they're miserable, wonder why they're just not having, you know, the best experience. Why they're, I mean, most people are anxious and depressed, right? It's because they, one, they probably never followed their desire in the first place. They were just doing what they were conditioned to do, told to do, what they've been trained to do through our education systems and not only did they not follow the first desire, they didn't follow the evolution of that desire into something else and something else and something else. Instead, they put themselves on a literal hamster wheel and said, this is how I'm going to pay my bills. And quite often it doesn't even do that because it's not authentically aligned to their desire. And money is an energy that needs to flow through the path of least resistance. If you start throwing resistance into your life, like that corporate hamster wheel, like that not honoring of your desire, like that convincing yourself that there's only one way to receive money and that's to work your ass off for a boss that you can't stand doing hours that aren't physically sustainable to go home to a family that barely know you because you can't engage with them because you're so fucking depressed. Well, like money is not going to flow through that vessel because money is an energy that needs to flow. And Creating all that negative emotion is literally a block to the flow of money. When you are fully engaged in your soul purpose, when you've got desire, when you've got mind, body, and soul behind something, 
that's when the money starts to flow. And like I said earlier, it's not always overnight, but it doesn't matter because you are so head over heels, hell bent in love with what it is that you're doing. Your bills just kind of manage to rearrange themselves and get paid and things happen and there's paychecks and tax rebates and, I don't know, lottery wins, scratch cards, parents, relatives, friends, whatever. Like this abundant support system start to appear when you become a glowing, radiant beacon of desire and passion and commitment and motivation and drive and just one of those amazing, sparkly human beings that people in their corporate boxes look at and think, how the fuck does that even like, right? They don't understand because they've subscribed themselves to the hamster wheel. Um, so getting people into that money flow, I suppose, has been, I mean, that's one of my biggest soul callings is getting people to realize that when they subscribe to the negativity and to the shit that holds them back, they're never going to unlock their money flow. And understanding what money flow is, what money energy is, like doing all the money mindset, money consciousness work actually helps them to unlock a whole new world that's free from repression and negative subscription and conditioning and patriarchal projection and all of those things that we hate. We were not put on this planet, I don't believe, to live a life that we hate, to live a life of struggle, to live a life of trauma. Yes, we all have struggle. Yes, we all have trauma. I've had my fair share. And I, you know, even from my money trauma, there's other traumas. We all have relationship trauma and we all have family shit and we have friend stuff. And then we have, you know, like, global pandemics. Did I say pandemic? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, shit happens. And that's just a part of human life. And that's completely okay. But the shit, for me at least, is part of our human experience that can help us grow. For me, shit, trauma, um, things that we don't expect are gifts to help us grow and evolve and do exactly what you do in your revolve um, program to completely reframe how we engage with life and how we re react to life and how we engage with life. And so those negative experiences aren't for us to experience day in, day out, five days a week, nine to five, year on year on year on year. They're meant to be momentary so that we can take it, grow through it, evolve from it, and then use it to become an even better version of ourselves, another higher evolved, shiny, uh, financially flowing, abundant person that the people in the corporate boxes can't relate to. Absolutely. Right? Definitely. Let's dig into the money consciousness, money mindset piece, especially since you brought up the pandemic. I know right now there's a lot of anxiety here in America, over there in, in, in England and, and pretty much all over the world. We in America are starting to reopen up slowly. I'm in the state of Florida. We're starting to reopen, not the section that I'm in, uh, but the rest of the state is. And we're seeing other states start to reopen. But there's so much anxiety, angst, fear, uncertainty going on right now as it relates to bills, health care, and things like that. How do you speak to those people right now that are in the throes of this uncertainty? <sighs> uncertainty is the devil, as far as I'm concerned. It's thing is with life, it's all uncertain. Nobody knows what's coming. And generally speaking, as human beings, we manage our day to day with uncertainty quite well. Like, outside of a global pandemic, we deal with uncertainty on a day to day basis anyway. And it doesn't phase us. Nobody knows whether they're going to wake up alive tomorrow. No one knows if they're going to get hit by a bus. No one knows what their latest uh, medical diagnosis is going to be. No one knows if they're going to fall pregnant, if they're going to have that baby, if they're going to maintain their job, if they're going to meet the love of their life. Like, no one knows 
what's happening. We manage that very, very well on a day-to-day basis. But as soon as mainstream media start telling you that there is uncertainty and we need to be fearful of that uncertainty, the majority are going to go, oh shit, you know that uncertainty that I've been dealing with absolutely fine for all of my life? I'm now going to be fearful of that uncertainty because somebody on the box told me that I need to be fearful. So (laughs) I actually think we're very well equipped to deal with uncertainty. All of the human race and the evolution of time is uncertainty. So To those people, I would say, one, be very careful which beliefs of other people you are absorbing, because if you look at your own life trajectory up until now, you've survived uncertainty with a 100% success rate. You are still here. So try not to subscribe to a person or an authority that's telling you you've got something to worry about. You're only worrying because they told you you have to worry. You've been dealing with uncertainty absolutely fine. Then be aware that the frequency and the energy of uncertainty carries a low vibration. It's akin to anxiety and fear, right? Anxiety and fear, frequentially speaking, cause monetary blocks. When we carry low vibrations, when we carry anxiety, when we carry fear, when we carry really any element of conditioning, our vessel, energetically speaking, and this is quantum physics, that has the capacity to receive the money gets blocked. So the more you commit to your anxiety, to any kind of negative emotion, the less capable you are of receiving abundance. Now, yes, we are in a global pandemic. Yes, the economy is changing. But what if somebody on the mainstream news was telling you that this was a massive, incredible, gifted opportunity for us to completely reform our economy, for people to actually open up the businesses they've always been dreaming of, for people to make career changes, for people to apply for uh, for loans and support, or to even change state, change country, completely uproot their family and start a whole new life living off the grid and growing their own food, like whatever it is. Somebody told you that you wouldn't be scared at all. You'd be turning over every rock and stone looking for those abundant opportunities because you've been told this is an amazing abundant opportunity, right? So granted, I'm not mainstream news or even a TV box and I'm just coming into your headphones, but entertain this for a minute. There is no uncertainty. This is an amazing opportunity for you to completely transform your life, your business, your family, You've had your slate wiped clean. Yes, okay, there's bills to be paid at the end of the month. Yes, okay, you don't know what's coming in terms of your job or the the lockdown or the global economy. But what if you had absolute control over your life? Just imagine that for a second. What would you do? You wouldn't be panicking. You wouldn't be worried. You wouldn't be anxious. You wouldn't be turning on the news every five minutes. You will be searching for the opportunities and you will be planning for an amazing, incredible, abundant life. So answer that question. If this was an opportunity, and top secret, it might be, they're just not telling you, um, what would you do with your life? And suddenly shifting your energy, your mindset into a vibration of possibility and excitement, even just childish imagination is going to do so much for that money vessel that I mentioned. It's going to start removing those negative vibrations and instead filling, uh, replacing them with positive vibrations, those positive vibrations open up the monetary vessel so that you have the capacity to receive more money, whether it's your bills get cancelled by, um, I don't know, some government state thing, or perhaps the water company says, hey, we're giving you a a three-month holiday on your water bills, or maybe you get a refund on your broadband, or maybe your grandmother chips in and says, hey, here's, I don't know, 10 grand or something, help. 
for whatever, whatever. Maybe that business idea that you've been sat on suddenly comes into your head with absolute clarity and you turn it around within two weeks and you've got your first paying client. Anything is possible, but subscribing to the idea that it's not is literally the thing that's going to stop you. Hi, I just wanted to take a quick minute to thank you for listening to the Total Freedom Podcast. We spend a lot of time on this show talking about resiliency, overcoming challenges, and achieving greatness in your life. And I wanted to invite you to discover the Resolve System, my own unique take on how to overcome virtually any challenge in your life. I've outlined the seven steps of the Resolve formula that will take you through just about any challenge you could have in life or business. So head over to totalfreedompodcast.com forward slash resolve and check out the video. Thanks so much. Powerful. I I absolutely believe that. I've seen it. I've lived it. So I know that you're absolutely talking truth when you say that. Yeah, no, for sure. I think we just, we really need to be careful about what we absorb because our thoughts create our reality. Again, a bit of quantum physics, because I don't want to go too much on the spiritual route. I don't know how um, acclimatized your audience are to fifth and seventh dimensional consciousness. I don't want to freak anyone out. I, I remember being a cynic. It felt like it was only yesterday. Um, but from a quantum physics perspective, it is proved that every single person in the universe, on planet Earth, let's just say, experiences the world completely differently. No two people can have exactly the same experience of the world. We are all completely unique. Two people can walk into a party and have completely different experiences. One of them can have an absolutely amazing time and say the vibe was great and she had the best time and everyone was lovely and chatty and friendly and it was just a great evening. Whilst the person that she walked into the room with can say, didn't vibe with anyone, really didn't get the vibe, didn't have that experience. Same room, same group of people, same drinks, two very different experiences, right? And I think that model is something we can all relate to. Now, take that wider, there's a global pandemic happening. I guarantee you every single person on this planet is experiencing this pandemic very, very differently, right? And we do that in our day-to-day lives. So quantum physics will state that if every single person on the planet can experience life and global events completely independently and completely differently, then what is the truth? There is no truth. In fact, what we experience is just an illusion, is just a projection of our inner world, of the world that we have created in our own minds. That's what we experience externally. So our external world is basically a direct reflection, projection, and illusion created by our inner world. Our inner world is created by a data bank of experiences that we've had in childhood that we couldn't formulate, understand, label, um, or correlate in any way, shape, or form because we didn't have life experience. So as children, we create beliefs and understandings based on something we don't understand. So you can see the flaw there already, right? Yep. Um, so we create our inner world based on these experiences from childhood, a data bank of experience, beliefs that we then crystallize as adults. And from those beliefs, we make decisions, we then take actions, we establish outcomes, and all of those combined create our reality. So everyone's external world is basically a direct reflection of all of these internal things that started in childhood when we weren't capable of understanding anything. So in order to create an understanding, we received the projections of the adults around us who were also 
conditioned, who'd received their internal worlds and projections from their parents and from their parents and from their parents. And in the spiritual world, we call this the patriarchy. We call it the Piscean Age. It basically means for hundreds and hundreds of years, we have been receiving the projections of other people, using those to create our beliefs, beliefs that don't serve us. So our internal world is in turmoil. And subsequently, our external world is also, frankly, a bit of a shit show. So then people arrive in my world and the world of, of John and, you know, other coaching peers and self-development peers all over the world and start to undo all of the damage that's been done to that internal world. As we undo that damage in the internal world, we create a far more abundant and beautiful and buoyant and joyful experience in our outer world. Right. That yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. It totally does. I want to dig into one more thing, and that is it's great when we ourselves can get to that place of money mindset being taken care of, or at least in a much, much better place. But we have people in our universe, in our lives, spouses, kids, parents, and, and all those other people that maybe don't have that alignment. And if I can use you as an example, you've got a partner that you're getting married to, you've got a young daughter. So mm -hmm. how does somebody navigate that when they have that money mindset and the, the partner or the parents or the child doesn't? <laughs> it's tricky. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. It's tricky. And it's, I probably get asked the most when I'm doing this money mindset, money consciousness work with clients. What do I do? You know, I'm, I'm so money conscious now. I'm really working on my money stuff. I'm really starting to see the abundant shift in my own life. But my girlfriend, husband, partner, person I live with is fully in their self-negating, self-sabotaging, negative narrative, money, story of patriarchal crap. What do I do? It's, it's different for every single person. So I have to be very careful in the way that I articulate this. But generally speaking, the more you cocoon your own money work, the more you cocoon your own inner work and just focus on you working on your internal world, helping that manifest externally, going through the trauma, healing the beliefs, reframing the beliefs, working on the money mindset, doing the energy work, for the consciousness, all of that, your energy becomes expansive to the point where it becomes an energetic invitation. So when we are conditioned and when we are in internal turmoil, our energy is quite small and it's um, quite inner. When we are more open consciously and we're more in abundant flow, when we're more tuned into self or we're more kind of soulfully aligned, our energy is more expansive. So when one partner does the inner work and starts to get the energy more expansive, it becomes expansive to a point where they become an energetic invitation. Anybody who is struggling with inner turmoil will feel an energetic invitation from another person who's in their life in like close proximity, like within their household or in like a loving, intimate relationship. Now, that energetic invitation will have one of two effects. Either it will trigger the crap out of the other person and cause them to emotionally react and perhaps have a go at that person who's doing the expansive work, tell them that they are crazy and they will, you know, really engage with that inner cynic and fully reject it to the point that eventually they will go on their own journey and they'll come full circle and they'll come back round. Or ideally, but this doesn't always happen, which is why I'm treading carefully, the second option is that they go, oh my God, he's been doing all this money work. That's amazing. I'm going to do it too. And they just fully jump on the bandwagon with you. Sometimes this takes days, weeks, months, 
In my case, I'm still going a year later. Um, and that's okay. And I think it's really important that you don't take the responsibility for doing your partner's work for them. I see it. I myself have been frustrated with my partner. I see it so much in my clients. I'm like, I just want him or her to get on board. I just want them to do it with me. I feel like their shit is blocking my shit. Actually, if you cocoon yourself, their shit can't affect your shit. And if you believe that their shit is affecting your shit, then you've clearly still got work to do on your shit, right? But keep doing the work. Do it for yourself. Take the responsibility. The more expansive you become, the more of an invitation you become. Just be aware that at some point you may trigger the crap out of them or in an ideal world, they will just jump on board, but you cannot put a time frame on that. You just have to focus on being the best version of you that you can be. Eventually, they will start to get on board. Very well put. I appreciate that. Let's talk about kids because you now have a young daughter. And yeah. how do you instill the money mindset into children so that future generations don't experience what some of us have? Do you know what? This is a question that I have been asking myself since before I even conceived her. Um, she's only 18 months. So the vocabulary at the minute is limited to daddy, bubbles, shoe shoes, car. And I think that's about it. So our, <laughs> our conversation isn't monetary yet. Obviously, she has no real concept of what money is or how we spend it or how we have a relationship with it. Um, but what I am doing from an abundance and sort of conscious perspective is that I'm really conscious with her about using the word no. So whenever she's asking for something, whether it's her dummy or her milk or more food or she wants to play or she wants to go outside, you know, she'll kind of point and gesture. I, I try to never say no because no is such a negative projection onto her that I don't ever want her to feel that energy of restriction or denial because I think that can play a lot into our money stories in later life. When I do money work with my clients, we, we always look at those childhood memories of when did you first experience rejection or when were your desires first squashed because that plays a lot into what we believe we can receive, which plays into obviously our money stories. So I'm super conscious with my language around her. Um, and in terms of like her living an abundant life, you know, I, <laughs> I'm probably a, an overly zealous mom, but I try to make sure that she's enrolled for the best nurseries and that if we're, we've just bought her her first swing set that, you know, we invest in something that's secure and perhaps not so cheap, which I appreciate not every parent has the capacity to do that. But I, uh, the conversation around that is whatever serves her greatest, highest good is what she gets. That doesn't mean she's spoiled. It doesn't mean she'll always get everything she wants. But as she grows up and she starts to understand, Stephen and I have, you know, we've discussed that she understands she will always get what serves her greatest, highest good. And I think that's a really abundant conversation and energy to wrap her in as she grows up. That's amazing. You're also kind of unique in the people that I've talked to for the podcast and even people that I know in that you run virtual companies and you run physical yeah. companies. You, you have the, the dance studio, the music, and all of that. How do you navigate in a normal world without a pandemic? How do you navigate between that physical business where maybe you have to be there or maybe you don't and the virtual world where you can communicate with your clients and maintain your money mindset by navigating back and forth? That's a really interesting question. No one's ever asked me that. Um, I guess the physical businesses came first. So the music, the music school kind of funded the dance studios and then the dance studios funded the Ask Harriet coaching business. So they, they kind of strategically played into each other. And as 
the music school funded the dance studios, it kind of became independent because in order for me to be involved in the dance studios, I needed to put a team in the music school. And then as I developed the coaching company, I then needed to put a team into the dance studios because I couldn't obviously run three businesses single-handedly. So there's been a natural evolution. Um, And honestly, I put my energy where my absolute passion is, which is obviously the Ask Harriet, the coaching side. I don't think um, it's a secret that I'm not crazy madly in love with my music school and my dance studio anymore. But I don't need to be because I've got a team in both now who are madly in love with what they do. And I've had, you know, it's, it's, God, it's such a brilliant question. I've had a bit of a battle personally with this because obviously I, I teach and preach. You do the thing that you are passionate about. You do the thing that your soul calls you to do. But what I've, I think I've arrived at an understanding or um, a piece at least that the music school, the dance studios basically financially cash flowed and funded the creation of the coaching business. So it served Ask Carrier as it exists and it continues to serve kids all over London who do their music lessons and dancers and actors and, um, and yoga teachers. And it, it provides a home and a service, which I do believe contributes to the collective consciousness. And when we talk about soul desire, I think I found it really valuable both for myself but for my clients as well to take it back to the fundamental soul desire that every single human being on the planet has. I call them the incarnation intentions. You know them well. As part of the 11 universal laws that I teach, I believe that every soul on the planet has the same two intentions when they come into existence. That one is to have a human physical emotional experience and two is to use that experience to contribute to collective consciousness to raise the vibration of the planet for the greatest highest good of all humanity. I believe every single soul desires that on a really, really basic level. So whilst the music school and the dance studios aren't my soul calling my passion anymore, they are still, in essence, part of my incarnation intention because both are serving the collective consciousness and contributing in a, in a highly abundant you know, vibrational way. I must admit, I do get frustrated sometimes having to split my energy between all three, especially at the minute in a pandemic. Um, I mean, I've got 40 staff furloughed, not all furloughed because I'm self-employed. It's complicated. There's loans, there's grants, there's paperwork. In the midst of all this, our lease has come up for renewal. The accounts are due. There's so much paperwork that because of the pandemic, only I can deal with as the director of all three. That's been very frustrating having to having three things pulling my attention, pulling my energy and having to, I don't think that's natural, honestly, I, unless it's just me that I just don't have that skill set. Perhaps some people do have that skill set, but for me, it's not been very natural. So it has been frustrating. Um, but normally on a day-to-day basis outside of the pandemic, I put people in place who are passionate about it, people who love it. It serves them because it pays them abundantly. It serves the collective consciousness. It serves the immediate community. And I'm, I'm very fortunate and very blessed that I've been able to have one platform the other, platform the other. So listen, it's not, it's not as straightforward as perhaps you wanted me to um, explain, but that's the honest truth. And that's what I wanted was the honest truth. I'm curious, as you said, you, you built the first one and then you grew the second one. So you started with the music and then you went to dance and then you went mm-hmm. to the coaching. As mm-hmm. you were putting leadership in place in the first one, so let's talk about the music school and you're getting ready to do the dance school. Did you look for money mindset in the leaders that you were putting in place to run that business and to represent you as you went out to build the dance and then the same for dance as you built out coaching? 
What amazing question. God, your questions are so good today. No one's ever asked me these. Okay. Um, I haven't ever actually looked for money mindset, but being as spiritual as I am, I've always read the charts of the people that I've been hiring. Whether it's legit or not, who knows? But every single person that I have in a leadership position in all of the companies is a Taurian woman, just like me. So I'm a Taurus. Um, we have a tendency, it's very generalized, and I don't overly subscribe to horoscopes at all. My The charts that I do are a combination of astrology and numerology and a bunch of other stuff. But generally speaking, Taurian women are down to earth, grounded, get the job done, very hardworking, just kind of get on with it without too much emotion being involved. And I have always kind of leaned towards hiring the Taurian woman who I can see aspects of myself in, but not someone who's got that entrepreneurial bug because I made that mistake the first time round, where I did put entrepreneurial people in charge whilst I went off to do therapy. And of course they, you know, they took advantage of the situation. And so I do, I look for certain qualities. It's not so much money mindset because I do still manage all of the accounts. And I believe because they are my companies, they are an energetic extension of my capacity to receive, not an energetic extension of my staff's capacity to receive. So I still take the money consciousness responsibility for all three, but I do look for people who are passionate about the role that they're in, uh, people that are hardworking, down to earth, determined, not too much emotional fluffiness. I'm not bothered about experience. I'm not bothered about skill set because I've always trained my own staff. Um, I've always given people the benefit of the doubt because I think we've all been in a position where we don't have experience. And that whole corporate mindset of you must have seven years experience fresh out of college, it, that never makes any sense. I mean, how people catch a break, God only knows. So I've, <laughs> I've always been for giving people a break, um, giving them an opportunity, training them to do things my way anyway. Um, and I guess looking for people who are kind of similar to me, similar views, open-minded, definitely need to be open-minded, especially working for me. I mean, you know, you talk to my staff, they're like, so who do you work for? And they're like, oh, I work for this priestess. It's like, what? You've got to be open-minded to have that conversation, right? Um, but you know what? I've got an incredible bunch and I've always hired intuitively since the obviously since the big downfall in my mid-20s. Since then, when I built myself back up, I've always hired intuitively. And so far, touch wood, so good. Interesting. And it's kind of funny because you're saying that you're hiring people that are passionate and all of that. My background is human resources. And I've said for a long time that there's two different ways to look at it. There's two things you need to be successful in any job, and it's a willingness and the ability. If you're willing to do the job and you don't have the ability, I, as the employer, can give you the ability. But if you've got the ability and not the willingness, then you're not going to be successful. So it kind of aligns with what you're talking about there. Absolutely. That's amazing. I didn't know that. But yeah, absolutely very true. And I know nothing about HR. Um, probably should know a bit more given how many I employ, but <laughs> I've got one speed dial if I'm desperate. <laughs> I, I am available for consulting on human resources, though I don't know labor laws in the UK. Give me Florida, US, and even California, which is crazy in the US. I got it. Bless you. Thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. So what's next for Harriet in her businesses and, and whether it's the coaching, the, the music, the dance, is there a new business? Do you know what? I don't know. And I love that. I don't know. See what I was saying about uncertainty. We deal with it so well. People have just forgotten. Um, 
at the minute in Ask H, we're, we're set up to do 1.2 million this year. And even with everything going on, the Ask H business looks like it's doing really well. Granted, the, the Music Academy and the Dance Studio have been grounded. I mean, they are closed and God knows what's coming. We originally had an expansion on the cards, whether we're able, like construction was obviously closed. So construction was due to start last week. And obviously we haven't been able to do that. So we don't know when that's going to happen. Um, at the minute in Ask H, I'm training up nine other priestesses, so nine other women to become priestesses. And I've been saying all year, I'm going to train these priestesses so that they can continue to do the work that I've been doing because next year I won't be coaching and I won't be training. Now, I know this intuitively, but I've no idea what I'll be doing in its place. I literally do not have a clue. The intuitive guidance will come. My spirit team will kick in. I will follow all the signs and do, you know, continue to do all the energy work. But I don't know what's coming and I'm quite excited because it means there's an evolution on the cards. It means maybe that there's a big event that I will grow through. Maybe this pandemic is the event. Who knows? And it's all yet to be revealed. What I do know to be absolutely true, regardless of what happens with Ask H or the Music Academy or the Dash Studios, is that I am abundantly supported by the universe. I am an open vessel for money to flow through me. I'm consciously contributing to the collective consciousness. I have a right and responsibility to abundance. I am here to have a fucking incredible life, to help others have a fucking incredible life. And no global event of any description, no grounding of any business is ever going to stop that. So yeah, the future's uncertain, but I'm actually really excited by that because my fundamental beliefs are solid and they serve me incredibly well. So you know what I heard in that whole thing that you just said? Mm -hmm. That if I want to absorb more Harriet, I've only got about seven or eight months left to do it. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it to come out like that. <laughs> Honestly, I'll probably be writing more books. I've had this book in me since before I was even pregnant and I swore blind I would have it finished by the time she was born. You know, she's 18 months. I still haven't finished the goddamn book. I'm aware that I need to get that out. The second book's in me, the third book's in me. So I think I'll probably be writing more, maybe doing book tours. Who knows? I, I don't know. But one thing I know to be sure, I will not stop serving. My online courses won't stop running. I think I'll probably just be doing less one-on-one -on -one stuff. Um, but, you know, if your people do want to come into my world and receive from me and learn from me, I think Instagram is probably the best place. Um, or, you know, podcasts. I think you found me on Chris, Chris Harder's, Harder's podcast. podcast. Yeah. And I don't even remember how I found Chris Harder, but it was shortly after I found For the Love of Money, which that'll put in the show notes. Uh, it was right after I started listening to him that I heard you. And then I remember you were offering your virtual coffee dates. And I didn't even do it right at first because I wasn't ready. I know looking back now that I wasn't ready. And then we eventually did it. I was living in California. I wasn't happy. And uh, you, you and I talked on uh, Zoom, I think it was. And yeah. you gave me some direction and I started doing it. And then I think it was six months later, almost six months to the day where I was finally able to circle in the universe a little bit deeper. Incredible. Just incredible. I don't admittedly do those coffee dates anymore. Um, but my team do. So, you know, people can, can have a free 20 minute session with one of my coaches who are all trained by me. They're all amazing. Um, and there's other stuff, you know, if you go to my website, we've got the get truly debt free training. We've got a few of the freebies, the money book, a few of the bits. We've got the money consciousness method launch coming up this month, which is like my signature program, which I absolutely adore. It's where I teach all this money consciousness stuff. Hopefully the book will be published at some point. There's loads of ways, but generally speaking to get the most 
value from me is to follow me on Instagram because once I get a bee in my bonnet about ranting about something, which is typically money, I will take to Instagram and I will just offload gold constantly. So if you want free training and bits, probably best to come connect with me there and just say, hey, so I can follow back and start an abundant relationship. Absolutely. And I'll put all that info in the show notes. But I do have to correct one thing you just said, because you said, hopefully, the book gets published. And I'm going to correct that and say, the book is being published. The book is being published. Yes, you're quite right. Speaking that into existence right now, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. And when you do the virtual book tour, you are invited to come back onto the Total Freedom Podcast, and we can talk all about the book. Thank you. That would be amazing. I'd love that. Anything else you'd like to share with the audience, Harriet? I think given the times that we're in, I just really like people to take home that message about receiving the projections of other people's beliefs and other people's truth. There is no such thing as the truth. It's all an illusion. It's entirely up to you to co-create that illusion. You can experience a reality entirely of choice. So next time you choose to believe something or something that you've read on Instagram, just pause and question it for a second. (laughs) There's so much changing in the world. Freedom of speech might not even be a thing, but freedom of thought and freedom of questioning absolutely is. And you have the right responsibility and authority to question everything that goes through your mind. Only you have access to your own mind. And that really is the key to unlocking all of your abundance. So question everything. Question your question your money beliefs. Question what your neighbor's telling you, your partner's telling you. And then ask yourself what it is that you really want to believe, because fundamentally you have a right and responsibility to abundance, but you're not going to access that until you believe it. So maybe just start questioning things so you can open yourself up to a new abundant belief. There you go. Harriet, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I was excited when you scheduled and you absolutely delivered. It's been so much fun. My absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, John. Appreciate you having me. My pleasure. That's another episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. To get the show notes for this awesome episode with Harriet Hale, you can head over to totalfreedompodcast.com forward slash episode seven. Thank you so much, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. Hi, I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. We want to continue to bring amazing content to help you overcome the challenges in your life become more resilient, achieve the life of your dreams. So we're going to ask you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast platform you listen to. That helps us to get ranked higher in the podcast chart so that we can share this message with more people. So again, subscribe, rate, and review, whether it's good, bad, whatever feedback, we'll use that to help make this podcast better. So thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Total Freedom with John Racine at www.totalfreedompodcast.com.